The Holy Gospel according to John in the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So today we are celebrating Reconciling in Christ Sunday. It's a commitment that we have made to welcome and include LGBTQIA plus people in our community. And so today I want to focus on that word reconciling and what it really means for us to be reconciled in Christ when it comes to our LGBTQIA plus siblings. Now, for those of you still learning and on your journey, um, LGBTQIA plus means lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and then there's that plus sign that's for all those other acronyms that can't be described or explained in one, in one acronym. So recently I had an encounter with someone And it was someone who asked me if we, as a church, if we're okay with gay people, and if we're okay with marrying gay people too. And immediately, I knew where this was going, and my heart just kind of plummeted into my feet, because I knew I was gonna have to say something. And so I said, oh, yes, we do, of course, yep, mm mm-hmm. And their response was, oh, but do you know they're an abomination? There it was, that word. And I think it was ironically the same weekend that I preached that sermon on being a beloved child of God. And so if you hear nothing else today, or you even feel just a little bit resistant, please just take this to heart. No one is an abomination. And I don't think that the God we know through Christ Jesus would ever name someone as that either. So reconciling. To be reconciled means to be restored. To be restored to good and right relationship. And I hate to say it, but it's true. We as Christian people, we've got a lot of reconciling to do for those who are in the LGBTQIA community. But first, for us to get there, I think we need to do some reconciling with our own faith and with the Bible itself. So I'm going to set just a little basis for what I'm going to cover this morning. Um, We as Lutherans and ELCA Lutherans, 
We don't take the Bible literally word for word. We don't take everything as absolute fact. But we most definitely do take it seriously. It matters to us, and we do our very best to live our lives in the way that Jesus commanded and through the lens of the gospel. As we read and understand the rest of the Bible and as we live out our lives, And so we also recognize what Jesus tells us today in the gospel, that God's word comes to us through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit needs to be at work for there to be meaning and truth that comes through. The Holy Spirit is alive in Jesus' word, and that will teach us everything we need to know. And so we have to do some reconciling with some passages that have been historically used against LGBTQIA plus people. So I want to just shed a little bit of light on God's word today and maybe reconcile us just a little bit to some of those passages and let's see where the Holy Spirit is moving. So I have six for us to tackle today, but I think we can do it. So everybody buckle up and get ready, because we're going to be a little fast and furious here. (laughs) Okay, number one, and it may be the one you know best, right? It's that age-old story of Sodom and Gomorrah, chapter 19 of Genesis. Honestly, this one's the easiest to shed a little light on. Although that word sodomy and sodomites will go down in infamy, here is what is really happening in the story. So there are these angels who are visiting this man named Lot. And Lot is supposed to be a good host. Hospitality is very important in the Old Testament. Well, there's this group of men in the city who want to come in and rape his guests. And it's as simple as that. It's not men entering into a consenting relationship with each other. It's rape and it's violence. Lot does offer up his daughters instead, which is great, thanks. (laughs) But don't worry, God says no. Um, And the truth of the matter is this, right? God doesn't want the violent folks in the city to rape the angels, Lot, or his daughters. That's all. Now moving on to number two and three. This is Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 18, 22, and 20, verse 13 the one where we get that fun word abomination. They both say something like this. You shall not lie with a man as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, there's several different ways that we can look at this, and there's lots of other things happening in Leviticus. But what I personally find the most compelling and fascinating when these passages get quoted and essentially catapulted at people is this. Leviticus is a book of rules. It has purity rules. It has social rules. It says what you can eat and not eat. It teaches you how to offer sacrifices. Things like pork are forbidden and shellfish. So it's always very fascinating to me when people are lobbing these verses at LGBTQIA plus people when I know that those same people have eaten bacon before, right? Or a nice Easter ham, or maybe, shall we say it, bacon-wrapped shrimp, right? Like, (laughs) 
which is those things are forbidden. And tell me, when's the last time you slaughtered a bull before the mercy seat plus a goat and then did some incense for your sins? Anybody? Okay, well, you guys are breaking Levitical law. Sorry. And maybe it made sense for a specific people at a specific time. I won't want to take that for granted. But don't quote 1822 at me if you have eaten bacon before. You know, don't pick and choose what makes you feel superior over others when you full and well know that you have no interest in following every cleanliness code or sanctification law. Don't be a hypocrite. That's, that's my Levitical rant right there. <laughs> Leviticus is a book of some good and some antiquated laws, but the bigger question when we read Leviticus through the lens of the gospel is this. Does your ability to follow any of these laws change the love that God has for you? I would say no. All right, now we're moving on to number four and we're moving on to the New Testament with the Apostle Paul and folks who follow him. Ironically, we skip right over the Gospels because Jesus said nothing about same-sex relationships, and all of these that are found in the New Testament have a similar context. So our first quote is from Romans 1, and this one is very widely used, and I'm going to directly quote Paul here. He says, quote, Because of this, referring to idol worship, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Their females exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural. And in the same way, also the males giving up natural intercourse with females were consumed with their passionate desires for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons due penalty for their error. So Paul is using this as an example. He's using it as an example to prove a point against idol worship, anything that leads to idol worship, too. And this, this passage, it's embedded in a whole list of other things that Paul thinks is leading to idol worship. I think that we can agree with Paul that certainly not all relationships are healthy for us. Not all of our relationships to certain practices are healthy all the time. And some things can lead to idol worship. Sometimes we make idols out of sex, money, and possessions. And also, too, there are relationships that hurt us. Ones that maybe are driven by lust or rushed or not reciprocated. Ones that are not consensual. But Paul's only using same-sex sex to prove a greater point. Don't worship idols. Number five. Number five takes place in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And we get another fun list, a list of sexual sins. And they are translated in our Bible as sodomites and male prostitutes, but the real words here are more accurately translated as abusers of themselves with mankind, which definitely could refer to same-sex sex, and also effeminate, a word meaning soft in the moral sense of weakness or laziness or cowardice. It refers to men who aren't conforming to patriarchal roles. Then number six in 1 Timothy 1.10 also uses this word that can refer to same-sex sex. sex. 
and it's found within another list including saved slave traders and murderers. But with all of these in the New Testament, we have to put them into context, meaning that we have to take into account what types of same-sex relations were happening in Paul's time. Now, Paul was a man who lived in first-century Greco-Roman world, and often same-sex relationships were commonly between a younger boy and an older man, or a slave and a master, or men involved in prostitution. And so, frankly, it's just not how we see it today. It's not a relationship. It represents a dynamic of power, coercion, and abuse. In Paul's time being gay or lesbian, it wasn't an identity. It was more thought of as maybe like a practice of excess. Paul is not saying that LGBTQIA people as we know them or relationships that they enter into that are loving, intimate, committed, healthy, consensual, or even joyful are on this list. It's not the same. While I don't think that Paul ever envisioned healthy same-sex relationships, I think that because of social norms and patriarchy, those were just really out of the realm of possibility for his day and age. So those are the verses. And that's our extensive biblical reconciliation for the day. I know that it's not all-encompassing, and I know that you might have questions. Feel free to ask. But I kind of hope that it brings just a few things to light, and maybe some things that you have heard in the past used against gay folks. But here's the thing that is bigger than all of those passages. I'm guessing that you, you yourselves, that you know, you know or you love or you care for someone who is LGBTQIA+, or you yourself reside somewhere on that spectrum. Reconciling in Christ, it doesn't just mean that we educate ourselves. It means that we have authentic relationships with one another relationships that are reflective of God's desire for us, the desire that we are whole, where we know we are beloved children of God. And so I want you to know today that no name that anyone calls you, abomination or otherwise, can erase that name of beloved child of God. That name is given to you by God through the Holy Spirit, in our gospel, Jesus says to us that those who love him keep his word. Jesus' word is Jesus' commandment. And Jesus' commandment is this. Love one another as I have loved you. It is, it's as simple and as complicated as that. Certainly, understanding the text matters. But what matters even more than having a comeback to those who use them against gay folks is the realization that the word lives through the Holy Spirit. The word is present in our lives and our relationships, in the love that we have for one another, and the love that I know you have for one another, and the welcome in your hearts. When Pastor Andrew and I were looking through all those surveys we did a couple months ago, 
one of the things that stood out to us the most was that what you value most about this place is second to God is that you're welcoming, that you love people no matter who they are or where they find themselves. That is who you identify at. That is the longing that comes from the word of God and a longing that I have too. And it is made real in the work of the Holy Spirit. So today we celebrate this, that all are welcome, all belong, and the Holy Spirit has brought something new and wonderful to this place. It is the hearing of God's word that causes us to bring God's kingdom near until that day when all of God's people know that they are beloved children of God. Amen. <laughs>